All right. I, I know some more coming in, which is great. But we're going to go ahead and get started on time because we have a lot to cover. I want to thank you so much for being here this afternoon. And I know that, you know, lunch was kicking in. And it's a, is it warm in here? I could probably take this off. But uh, anyways, glad you're here. I think uh, this is going to be an important and impactful hour together. I'm thrilled that you chose to come to this today. My name is John Reed, and I have the privilege of uh, working with dozens of churches across the U.S. on their welcoming ministry. And of course, if we have a welcoming ministry, we need to have a follow-up ministry as well. And so I'm going to talk about a very hands-on, practical way of following up with the guests that God sends to us, and in following up in such a way that they will want to come back. And eventually, the goal is that if they don't know Christ, right, that they'll find a relationship with Jesus, that they'll want to plug in. I guess a technical term would be they want to assimilate with the body, right? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go really practical during our time together, but I want to start by laying a theological foundation of why a welcoming ministry and a follow-up ministry is so important. I'm not, last year I dealt with the welcoming side, so I'm not going to have time to deal with that. We're just going to deal with the follow-up. Once they have come, in other words, once they have visited you on a website, because people visit a website three times now before they come to a church on average. So your website is very important. But that's another conversation. From the time they visit you on a website until they've come one, two, three times to your body, how do you follow up with them to keep them coming back? That's what we'll focus on. Uh, today. Um, I've been at the Hilltop Church of Christ in El Segundo, which is right at LAX. Did anybody find LAX that's here? Okay, stones throw away from where I live. So I actually, I've been there 22 years. I heard the planes for the first two weeks, and then they kind of just assimilate, you know, and you don't hear them anymore. So when I go away, I can't sleep because I don't hear those airplanes. But we, we've been there for 22 years. And my, my grandfather actually planted the church in 1953. And they built the building that we were at in 1957. Currently, we're meeting in the middle school, but that's going to change pretty soon as well. But I remember I had been at a little church, my very first church, in, in an area called Fraser Park, which, if you know California, it's about 45 minutes north of Magic Mountain. Small little country church. And they called and they said, we, we want you to come and try and help us revitalize the, the work of the church. It actually had dwindled down to, on a good Sunday, there were 15 people in attendance. And that was a good Sunday. They rented their building to the reorganized Latter-day Saints just to have money to keep the doors open. And the first year that I was there, I remember my grandpa wasn't seen too well, which was a good thing at the time. So we would cover up the organ and just, you know, kind of walk him by, you know. But within probably a year, um, God had just blessed us so much that uh, we were able to say, hey, you know, we need our space. And, and so they found somewhere else to worship. But I remember coming to El Segundo with our family and they said, all right, what are you going to do? What's your plan? We're almost dead. What are we going to do to grow? And I said, I don't have a clue. 
I, I didn't. I mean, I, I, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what the Lord wants for this area. So let's just pray. Let's just pray. And rather than me coming in with a plan and asking God to anoint the plan, I said, let's pray and see what God's already anointing and let's just get on board with what God is doing. And so we did. Very early on, we prayed, you know, Lord, guide us, tell us, what is it that you, what's your plan to bring revitalization, to bring kingdom growth to the El Segundo area? And very quickly, with a handful of leaders, one word came to mind. And that word is welcome. Be the most welcoming church on the planet. And so together we felt like, okay, this is, this is who God wants us to be. He wants us to accept people where they are, right where they are, with all their dysfunction and all their sin, because that's where God accepted us. Accept people where they are while helping each other accept where God wants us to be. So that was our plan. With probably three weeks of us being there, I get a call from a lady by the name of Lori Guerin. She's probably 35 years old. She'd never been to our church before. She, come, she calls on the phone and just starts sobbing. Gets like just a, a few words out and then just breaks down. And she just cried for five minutes. And I, I mean, I'm brand new there. I don't know her. She doesn't know us. And I said, Lori, I could see you're upset. Could you just come in tomorrow? Let's meet. And at least we could pray about what's troubling you. And so Lori shows up the next day. She, she again walks into my office just, just crying and broken. And she says, I have been addicted to methamphetamines over half my life. 35 years old. I've been addicted to meth over half my life. And I have a five-year-old girl named Miranda. And I'm going to lose my girl. The court is saying, I'm going to lose my girl if I don't straighten my act out. Will you please, please help me? And I said, absolutely. Christ, Christ loves you. God loves you. He wants to help you with this. He wants a better life for you. One conversation. Okay? Next week, I'm actually up here at Pepperdine playing basketball at a court nearby here with a bunch of friends. And I have on a pager. You, you probably don't know what a pager is but because you have cell phones now. But we used to have these things called pagers. And we would wear them on our belt. Remember those? And some of you do. Some of you don't. And they would beep or they would buzz or vibrate if you had a call and you'd look at that number and then you'd have to call somebody. So now I did have a car phone at the time, thought I was cool. Car phone was about this big, but it was a car phone, right? So I go to my car and I call this number and they say, Mr. E, this is the Los Angeles Police Department. We've arrested a young lady by the name of Lori Garrett and she wants to turn custody of her five-year-old daughter over to you. Now, mind you, I had one conversation with this lady. But that's what drugs do. They, they cut you off. They, they separate you from your family, people that love you. And, and so she's turning, wants to turn custody of Miranda over to me. So I get in my car, and I, I tell the police, of course, I'll, I'll do that. And I start heading to the LAPD to, to have a new daughter, Miranda. And about halfway there, I'm thinking, I should call my wife, probably. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Good idea. <laughs> so, 
I call Becky and I say, hey, 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 babe, we're going to have another child. And she's like, no, no, we've had this conversation before. Good enough. So I explain the conversation to Becky and, and she says, absolutely. We, God wants us to do this. And uh, I'll never forget getting to the courthouse and, and that long stairway up, knowing what I was going to find and walking up and the police are there with with Lori and Miranda, I get down in Miranda's eye level and I say, you know, Miranda, I'm gonna be, we're gonna be your family for, for a while. Your mom's done some horrible things and she's gonna go to prison and has to pay a price for what she's done, but we're gonna love you and we're gonna welcome you. And of course, she doesn't even know us. So begrudgingly, she gets into the car. Be beautiful, big brown eyes, little Hispanic girl. Brown hair, five years old, same age as my son. We take her home and uh, love her, love on her. And to make a very long story short, um, Lori, sort of on a technicality, gets let out of prison, is reunited with her daughter, and they start attending Hilltop. We start studying the Bible, studying the Word together. Uh, probably three to six months, Lori's baptized into Jesus Christ. She's welcomed and loved because that's our, our mission that God's called us to, right? And so she, she becomes a Christian, and she says, she's just so proud. You know how you're excited when you, when you have that relationship with Christ? Early on, I don't know why we lose it, but she wants to tell everybody what Jesus is doing for her. And so she's like, will, will you come to my Narcotics Anonymous meetings with me and my AA meetings with me? I want to introduce you to all my friends. I said, absolutely. I start going to meetings with her. So... Within two years, we baptized 25 recovering addicts into Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to get this picture. At Hilltop now, we have 25 born and raised Church of Christers worshiping with 25 recovering addicts. It was fascinating, <laughs> to say the least. I'm so proud of our church because some of our senior ladies would sit by these people that just tattooed and piercings everywhere, and they just... You know, pat their back, dear church. We love you. We're, you're welcome in this place. So, so they got what God was calling us to. They, we, we, we welcome those people. And then the church really just, God continued to multiply and, and add to, to where from 15, we're breaking 300 people in our average attendance over one word. Welcome. Welcome. You are welcome in this place. Being a welcoming church is at the heart of God. God is a welcoming God. And because God is a welcoming God, he calls us to be a welcoming people. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 33 and 34 became a fundamental passage for us, okay? And Leviticus 19, 33 and 34 says that when a foreigner is in your land, or a stranger, some translations say, when a stranger is in your land, treat them, don't mistreat them. Don't mistreat the stranger. Treat them as your native born, for you were strangers in Egypt, yourselves. Love them as you love yourself, for I am the Lord your God. Now, anytime the Bible says, I'm the Lord your God after it, I think that's emphasis. God's saying, church, this is important. I welcomed you when you were strangers to me. 
I loved you. You are to welcome and you are to love the stranger. You're to love the, and their translation says the alien or the, the foreigner. Love them as you love yourself. So what does God do there in Leviticus? He ties it to what Jesus said is the greatest commandment. Remember, Jesus says, what's the most important thing? Here's the Bible. Okay, of all the things in the Bible, what's the most important thing? And Jesus said, the most important thing is this, love. Are there some things that are more important than others? Absolutely. How do we know that? Jesus told us that. The most important thing is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second, they only asked him for one, but he gave two. The second is this, love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's the most important thing. How do we love the stranger? How do we love the stranger that comes into our midst? And how do we follow up with them in a way that they will want to come back and be a part of what God is doing in our churches? How do we do that? We'll look at that, but I want to talk about one more verse. And this one, I gave you some of these on the sheet here. Um, Let's look at Acts chapter 28, because this one is fascinating to me. Acts chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. I'm reading the NIV here. And remember, this is when Paul was uh, shipwrecked, you know, and washes up on the shores of Malta. This little island. Listen to this as you think about a welcoming ministry and follow-up, okay? As you hear this passage through that lens, hear what Paul says. Verse 28. Once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and they welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood, and as he put it on the fire, a viper, a snake, drew it out by the heat, fastened itself to his hand. I, I hate snakes, and I just get this image here, like these fangs, right? Fastened to his hand. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, this man must be a murderer, for though he escaped from the sea, the goddess Justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul just shakes the snake into the fire, and he suffered no ill effect. The people expected him to swell up or to suddenly fall dead. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their mind and said, he's a god. Verse 7. There was an estate. Now I'm talking follow-up. There was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us to his home and showed us generous hospitality for three days. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him, and after prayer, placed his hands on him and healed him. And when this happened, the rest of the sick of the island came. Now there's growth. Okay? (laughs) There's God at work. The rest of the island came and were cured. They honored us in many ways. This here is a follow-up program. They honored us in many ways. And when we were ready to sail, what did they do? They furnished us with the supplies that we needed. Now, here's the thing I want you to listen to. The word islander in the Greek can be translated barbarians. Barbarians. 
We, we say islanders and think, oh, it's great, you know, Jamaica, Hawaii, yay. No, what, what the Bible is saying is the barbarians welcomed us in this way. The barbarians on that island of Malta followed up in this way. Church, can we be at least as welcoming as the barbarians? Can we do that? That's what God has called us to. Now I'm going to get practical, all right? And then we'll take some questions. We'll talk about this. But I wanted you to see this is the heart. Welcoming and follow-up is at the heart of God. Okay, take out your handouts. Hopefully you have a pen. And let's jump into some practical things. And then, again, if you have some questions along the way, please feel, feel free. We've got about 45 minutes here. Okay. So I believe it says page 10 at the bottom, how to follow up guests appropriately. This is session five of, of seven sessions that I typically do. So how to follow up guests appropriately. Number one, the principle of suspects and prospects. You see that on your page there, everybody with me? Okay? The principle of suspects and prospects. A, suspects are just checking you out. I want you to write a lot of notes here. Suspects, they're just checking you out. They're testing the water. Okay? And this correlates with a first-time guest. So when I say suspect, I'm talking about a first-time guest. They don't want to be pressured. They don't want to be forced or coerced to greet or to stand up and have everybody do it. They just want to, is there anybody here I can make a friend with? That's what the first-time guest wants to see. And what are they doing in there, by the way? Now, here's what's going to help for follow-up. You have to take off your Church of Christ insider glasses and set them aside. To really understand a follow-up system, you've got to put yourself in the shoes of someone who hasn't been 10, 20, 30 years to church. Something happens in their life, and they feel like they need God. And so they show up. What do they experience? Okay? So take off those Church of Christ glasses, put on that first time. Okay? So suspect is that first-time guest. And it's like, you know, you know, like you don't just jump in the water. I don't anyways. I want to test it, see how cool it is, and then I jump in. Okay, a prospect is your second time guest. So here's really, really key. You want to spend 90% of your resources, and when I'm talking resources, I mean time, treasure, talent, on prospects, not suspects. Now, when I give you the four-step plan, there are some things you do for the suspect. But churches get this wrong all the time. When it comes to follow-up, you want to really load your effort on the second-time guest because there's something that happened that they liked, and they came back. Okay? If they're there a second time, it just opens up a whole lot more possibilities. Okay? So suspects, prospects, 90% of your time, Effort on those prospects. They're interested, okay? Okay, principle number two. Three principles of follow-up. Follow-up is most effective when guests receive the following. A personal contact. A prompt contact. 
and a continual contact. Personal, prompt, continual. Now, what do I mean by that? It's okay to have a form letter that is very welcoming and friendly, that if a first-time guest comes, you give them this, this letter. But what you want, one, it needs to be from your lead minister or your lead pastor. People use that term a lot now. And what he, or, he needs to do is just write on there a little sentence that says, so glad that you worshiped with us today. You're so glad you came with, you know, Betty Sue. Great to meet you. So just one little sentence that, that makes it a little personal statement to them. Rather than just, okay, a form letter, they're just following their routine. So it needs to be personal. It needs to be prompt. Within two days is best. And, you know, marketers that, that typically are some of the churches I do, that they've heard this stuff a lot. And it, it is powerful and it's proven again and again. Anytime after two days that you send a response and starts to lose effectiveness the farther out you are. If you wait a week or to get them a thank you for coming, and we'd love to see you again, invite them back, is very key. If you wait a week to do that, they're probably already gone. Two weeks, three weeks, whew, it just really starts to tail off. So it's gotta be personal, it's gotta be prompt. What's the last one? Continual. Continual, okay? And right next there in your notes put, don't bug them, <laughs> all right? But you can stay in touch with them. So that like if things are coming up and they give you the contact information, you if they have been one of the very few people who fill out your connection card. How many of you have connection cards, by the way? Okay? And typically 15% of guests fill those cards out. We've got to do better than that, because if they don't fill the card out, you have no way of following up with them. So there's things you can do to get them to fill those cards out. Okay? So um, if they fill those cards out, then you, you know, by email or something, you can get back in touch with them. All right, you ready for the plan? Here we go. Everybody's awake? All right. <laughs> Four-step plan. And this corresponds with how many times they have been a guest at your church. So step one is acknowledgement, and that is for first-time guests. What, what's effective for first-time guests? Call within 24 hours. And that is not a probing call. That's just, thank you for coming. It was so great to see you. And, uh, you know, what, what brought you? Are you from the area? R real quick. But, but also, write this down. Ask their opinion. I didn't think people would, that have only come one time would be feel comfortable sharing their opinion. I was wrong. We have a, a questionnaire that we have people call. And, and, I mean, they write essays. Well, I like this. I didn't like that. I mean, it's just great to learn. But you're also showing that you value their opinion, that you care. So you want to call in 24 hours, ask their opinion, and then that thank you letter in two days. Thank you letter within two days from the lead minister because he is going to be the main thing guests are looking for once they've started coming to your church. He's the spokesman for the church. They want to know what that spokesman has to say. Who is he? Is he a man of integrity? And, and so they want contact with him. So thank you, Larry, in two days. And invite them to return. Write that down. Want to make sure to invite them to return. And finally, place them on the contact list. 
you have an email that you send out, you know, and you gather that information, place them on that contact list. Okay, that's step one. Any questions about that before I go on to step two? Yes? So on a first time guest, you're gonna go ahead and start sending them emails of what's going on and everything? Yeah. If they've given, if they have filled out a card in today's culture, they have given you permission to do that. Mm -hmm. But I say don't bug them. But believe me, if they fill out a card, they're expecting something, and the worst thing to do is have them fill out a card and not send them anything. Right. That's ignoring that. And they just feel like you don't care at all. Good question, though. Yeah. It's okay. But again, write down, don't bug them. Don't stalk them. Don't, you know. <laughs> all right. Any other questions before step two? All right. Step two is 90% of your effort. Okay. So in step two, we call this enhancement. Who is this for? A second time guest. So this corresponds to someone who's come back to your church or a family for a second time. Number one, deliver a gift with a card. Deliver a gift with a card. Now let me talk about this because it's so important. So if you come twice to Hilltop, we deliver to you a half pound of C's candy with a card thanking you for coming. We have done this for years to hundreds of guests. Okay? Now, I, it, needs, it doesn't have to be candy, but it needs to be sealed. You don't want to do the bake ministry, the cookie ministry, the pie ministry. It was effective, especially in the South for years, but people want to know who's touching their food in our culture today. Okay, we when when uh, gas got expensive, we gave a gas card to everybody. Said, "Hope we'll see you again. We'll pay for a tank of gas." We gave them a gas card. Uh, people have done Starbucks card. Uh, you you choose whatever you want. But that second time guest, you want to do something special. This has gone so far. I can't. Everybody just feels so loved. And by the way, you can write down the word authenticity. Because if you do this out of a gimmick or a plan and you don't have the heart of God, especially our millennials, they see right through it. Next gen, they see through it. You do this because you care about these people, not just to do a little gimmick or trick. Are you with me on that? It's really important. That's why you've got to understand the heart of God. And by the way, this program is your foundation for evangelism. This is the base. If you want to grow and reach people, this is the base. A church cannot grow without what? Guests. Can't happen. Your church will never grow without guests. So how do we treat them? How do we follow up with them? So step one is the candy. Now, this is really key. If you deliver it, especially in California, I mean, you tell me your culture. I don't know. California, if you deliver it, you do not go in, period. Okay, write that down. If you deliver the gift, don't go in. Why? Because it is obtrusive to show up unannounced, knock at somebody's door, and then they feel obligated to let you in. And they, what are you doing? First thing, well, what's my house? What's picked up? What's going on, right? It's just rude, okay? Rainer, Tom Rainer is a name you should write down if you don't know Tom Rainer. His research says that 70% of people feel it's highly intrusive for someone to show up at their house unannounced. 
So you are being rude to our culture right away. So what do we do? If you decide to deliver it, you knock on the door and the first thing you say is, hey, I can't come in. I just wanted to drop this off and just let you know how thankful we are that you've been a guest at our church. Yes, sir. Quick question. Do you believe it's better to call ahead and warn them that you're coming or not? No, we don't. We, we, we don't. Um, actually, we mail ours. We used to hand deliver them. Okay. Um, but like some of the churches I'm working with, um, actually like Jonesboro in Jonesboro, Arkansas, that's probably a church of a thousand on Sunday mornings. And they have someone there that owns a baker, that one of the few cupcake shops in town. There's only two cupcake shops. She makes special cupcakes for every guest and then they're packaged real nicely. And that's going a long way. I mean, they're like, wow, you really, they, they, they know you care. And that's why we're doing this. Because lost people matter to God, amen? With me on that? That's why. You gotta keep coming back to the why. Okay? So we're mailing ours now. Okay. But if you were if you were visiting, you still wouldn't. We wouldn't. It. Yeah. Can yeah. you explain why? No. I, I wouldn't. You could. Oh why we don't? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think there is just it, trying to get a hold of people today. And then if you call them, they feel like they're going to have to clean their house. They feel like they're going to have to entertain you. They feel like they're going to have to invite you in. And so it's just, hey, just dropping this off, not going to come in. But some might be welcome to that. But, I mean, I don't know. How would you feel if, if you'd only been to a church twice and they're calling saying, hey, we're going to swing by your house? I would think anxiety goes through the roof. I, I mean, would you feel? I don't know. I mean, you, you tell me. It might work. So I'm not like the law on that, but those are just some of the reasons that we, okay. So you're gonna send them a gift or you're gonna hand deliver a gift. It's gonna be packaged and you're not gonna go in. Now some people say, well, how much do you pay for those? See, this candy's expensive. I think these are like $8 for a half pound. Well, you multiply that by 100, that's $800. If one of those families becomes a member of your church or becomes a Christian, one family will pay for this entire ministry and then some. Especially if they like believe in the tithe and you're covered, right? <laughs> so I'm just saying, don't get, don't, don't get counting beans on this. I, I can't tell you how far this goes. This is step two. We're notching it up, right? Okay, so what else for step two? These are prospects, remember? You're going to ask them their needs and interests. When do you do that? You could do that in that phone call. Um, if you didn't reach them like in that first time, or we don't call everybody that first time. We focus on that second time. So we call, hey, you know, you came twice, and we're just so glad, so thankful that you're here. And we just love to know, hey, you know, what are some of the needs? Is there anything we can, what can we pray for you? Write that down, because nobody argues with prayer. How can we pray for you? And then what are you signaling? We're a church of prayer. I think Jesus thought that was pretty important, right? My house is a house of prayer. So just say a prayer for tell them you'll pray for them. And I would say if they say, well, I've got this thing, this thing, you're on the phone with them, pray for them right then and there. Just say a prayer for them. So glad you, that's going to touch people's hearts. And you're remembering through that that God is, is everything to this. It's not just a program. This is, you're inviting God, right, into this. Okay, and then um, if you want, you can ask if they would like someone from the church to come and pray with them and ask if you can add them 
tell them you'd like to add them to the email list or you've already done that if you've got it. Have you been getting our email? You know, the millennials don't look at emails anymore, you know. So maybe we need Instagram. Have you been getting our Instagram pictures? No, that might be too much. But uh, just ask if you can add them to that list. Okay, that's step two, enhancement. Any questions before I go on? What was number three in step two? Uh, I would ask if you could put them, in step two, ask if you could put them on the email list. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. Or you could also write down if, 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 if <laughs> would you like an elder from our church to come and meet with you? Or would you like our minister to come and meet with you? That second time, yes. Now, second time, third time, fourth time, as many other times as they come, apply to step three. And this is appointment. So, first of all, send any special brochures that your church has. And they need to be very well done and kind of to the point. Um, I these aren't our brochures. These are from other churches. But what, what we have... Um, oh! I went, let's see. I think I, I skipped something really important. I want you to go back. I'm sorry. Go back to step one. You need a welcome booth. You need a welcome booth. Or somewhere identified that they can get information. That is very, very key. And at the welcome booth, you can have some really nice brochures. So ours are just little pamphlets. Um, and we've got one for children's ministry. We've got one, you know, for the youth group. We have one for just uh, for our life groups. Life Small groups are very important. So you can just look at those and see what groups are available. John and I were recently at a church uh, giving a seminar. And when you walked into their lobby, someone had really given them a very, very nice gift. They had created two counters, one on either side of their lobby, that looked like you were walking up to a bank counter. They were beautiful, but they were intimidating, and they were using them as their welcoming center. You don't need anything that fancy. You don't need anything that large. All you need, really, is a small table with a sign that says welcome and that has a little bit of material on it. It doesn't need to be big and audacious. In fact, the bigger it is, the more intimidating it is. Yeah. And let me follow up just that, and I'll call you. Um, what's very key at the welcome booth, it's hard to get guests to go to the welcome booth. But if they do, you have a, we have a little bag that's very nice. Jonesboro has their logo on the bag. And you can also say during the worship service, if you stop by our welcome booth, we have a special gift for you. And, that, and fill out a connection card. It's another way to get them to fill out a connection card. So if you go by the welcome booth, They've got a gift and a bag with information about the ministries there. So with the bank counters, what we did is move their greeters in front of the counter. Our welcome booth people stand in front, so there's not just this. It's not very welcoming to be behind. I mean, it comes up to your neck. Hello, welcome, you know. So, okay, yes, question. And I was kind of falls into the next question I had was, should that welcome booth be manned, unmanned? What's the... Yeah, you need somebody there to answer questions. Definitely. Man or woman or whoever. But you need someone by that booth to answer questions. That, that they feel like, hey, you know, and what questions? Well, where are the restrooms? Where do you go into the building if you don't have good signage? Things like that. So sorry I missed that because that's important. But, but when I got to step three here, um, send some special brochures to them. 
We do a, a Hilltop magazine that has our vision, our mission, our life groups, how to get plugged in. That's on our website, but we also send them this Hilltop magazine that they can browse through and see all of that. Okay? Now, really, this is the most important thing for step three. Invite them to a leader's luncheon. We do this once a quarter. We used to call it PI, an acronym PI, called it Preacher Invitation Evening PI, okay? We don't call it that anymore, kind of corny. But um, here's what the guest wants. If they've come two or more times, they want to get to know the leaders. So once a quarter, we have our elders, their wives, all of our ministerial staff throws a very nice lunch in. It's informal. It's get to know each other. It's give them, have a meal together, and then we briefly talk about mission, vision, how to get plugged in. Okay, so you're with me on this? So we're going to have a luncheon once, once a quarter. I just uh, was met with Chris Altrock from Highland in Memphis, and he said they just last Sunday had their, because I went out there, they just had their first luncheon. He said 40 guests showed up at the luncheon, which usually is about a tenth of the guests that are there. By the way, church on the average has 5% first time, second time guests every Sunday. So if you aren't getting connection cards filled out, you might think you don't have guests. You do. They're just not filling out the cards. Okay? All right. So um, you're going to have a lunch in once a quarter. And you want to write down high expectations. high expectations and talk about and again it's just hey we want to welcome you here this is what we stand for the higher the expectations the greater percentage of assimilation and this is thousands of churches researched through Rayner, Barna, Mancini and uh, Kinnaman they, they're kind of really do a lot of research they're good researchers so higher expectations. There's even a book by Tom Rainer, T-H-O-M, called High Expectations. Here's what it means to be a member of our church. Here's what we expect. So briefly, we'll go over that. Do you, do you have a mission at your church? Uh, you might have a personal mission, but how many of you could, could quote the mission of your church? What is it? Pursuing life with God together. I love that. Thank you. And you a lot of meetings to decide that. Yes, but here's the thing about that. It's so simple, anybody can say it. Yeah. I mean, I can read pursuing life with God together. Mm -hmm. Is it? Yeah, I've got to memorize it that quick. Yes. Connect, grow, serve. Yes, love it. We Three also, words. And we also use that as our password for our Wi-Fi. Okay. <laughs> okay, good. So everyone here, write that down. You can see their Wi-Fi. You can be on their Wi-Fi. I love it. So um, if you're going to have them and you're going to come here and talk about a mission, it's important for the church to know you're on mission together, right? We're a missional church. As the Father sent me into the world, I am sending you into the world. To what we're on mission with Jesus', Jesus mission, right? Okay. Ours is invest in people, ignite our towns, restore people to God. But everybody at Hilltop could say, three years old to 99 years old, what's our mission? Invest, ignite, restore. 
I was at a church recently, and I shared that with everybody, and I didn't know it was a large group, but one of the ladies knew someone that had just moved to Hilltop. And so while I, when I said that, she texted the friend that had only been coming to Hilltop for like a year and said, hey, what's the mission of Hilltop? And she sent back, invest in people, ignite our towns, restore people to God. I was like, thank you, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> she stopped the seminar and said, oh, they know it. They know it. She said, so, but, but that's very key that we're on mission together. And so you're going to share that mission that you're on with those guests. And then um, invite them back. Welcome them. Pray over them. Okay, that's step three. Any, any questions about step three? So the key, key thing about step three is that welcome lunch once a quarter. Okay, step four. Step four is commitment. This is a guest that's come three or more times. First of all, you want to have an annual banquet. This annual banquet is nice. I, I, I didn't bring my PowerPoint, but I want you to imagine tablecloths with centerpieces, everybody dressed up, a wonderful meal together. You're bringing your best once a year and you are welcoming them to your family. Your elders are involved, your ministers are involved. You're gonna welcome them, acknowledge them, challenge them. So we, when we do ours, we almost do like a marriage ceremony. You know, will you commit to this church and as a church the church commits that we will pray for you we will stand by you it's, it's, it's more formal once a year nice banquet and it's so awesome to just remind the church look what God's doing look at all the people that God has sent to our body yes so this is not just for the visitors this is for all the members as well yes everybody unless you're you know like a thousand like at Highland that that I don't know what they'll do, but I would say invite them all. Yeah, because it's a chance for the members to see who God has brought, how God's moving in that place. So some other things for that. Um, again, if you know, ask them if you could place them in the directory, or if you have, do any of you have folders, or how do people pick up information? Do you, do you have a place for people to pick up, like a box for people to pick up information? Anybody have Anything like that? Or is it all email? It's all technology? It's a bulletin. A bulletin. Yeah. Okay, so you hand that out. But we have folders for everybody. And I can't tell you how many people have been coming for three years, didn't get a folder. You know, like, they feel left out. So think, little things like, how do you belong to your family? What do you do for insiders that you might not do for outsiders? If you want outsiders to become insiders, you got to treat them like that. So if you have... Mailboxes, put them on the email list, um, invite them to the banquet, and attend a newcomer's class. How many of you have a newcomer's class right now? Okay, great. So that's really important. When do you do yours? Uh, we do ours uh, once a month. <clears throat> on what time? Sun on a Sunday right after services. Okay, after services. And you have pretty good attendance with that? Yeah. Okay, good. When do you do yours? Quarterly, it's a two-hour class. Okay, on a Sunday? Sunday, uh, right after worship. Okay. We and have guest lunch uh, every Sunday, and we, so we eat excellent. and have classes. So every Sunday you have a, a lunch that you invite your guests to? We do every Sunday. Sweet! 
I wouldn't do too well there. I'm trying to <laughs> cut back. Uh, what do you cover in that class? A lot. We, we cover expectations. We, uh, we spend two times we go around and introduce ourselves and just talk about ourselves a little bit so the members can meet each other, the new members. Yeah. Uh, we talk about all the different ministries and activities. Uh, they fill out an involvement survey if, uh, if they haven't okay. already done that. Um, yeah, do you do a gifts inventory? Yeah, uh, no, we talk about spiritual gifts just okay. briefly. Yeah. Uh, Good. We, we do touch on that. Good for you. Fantastic. Okay, one, two, three, four. We got through four. We have some other things for you as time allows. Um, but I want to stop there. Any questions about any part of that follow-up program? If you do this, by the way, 90% of the people that come twice will become a part of your church. And, and you need to track everything, by the way. Track, track, track. How do you know first-time guests? How do you know second-time guests? You're tracking. you got someone tracking this isn't a question, it's just a quick uh, cool. thing I want to throw out. Um, our church used to have attendance cards, and almost nobody filled them out. We yeah. would get maybe six from guests, and we have an average attendance of maybe 700 on Sunday morning. And you would get six, maybe. Okay. Six, and most of our members weren't filling them out. We switched to what we call welcome books. Yeah. We have one on every pew. After the offering, yeah. I get up, or the worship leader does, and and we say, pass the book down the aisle. We're all doing it at the same time. We get we got six to seven times more. Wow! Everybody, take note of that. Three different guests now are filling them out. So, Dave, that's that's a big one. Do you have both members and guests? Yes, we have a tariff pad for members, a tariff pad for guests. Okay. So I want you to write this down. Members or guests will only do what members do. Very important for follow-up. Guests will only do what members do. They do not want to be singled out. They, they, again, they're checking you out. They, they don't want people that just uh, have them stand out in any way. It's the, and by the way, the number one complaint of guests that have been surveyed about what makes them feel unwelcome is a meet and greet time. <laughs> they hate it, especially the millennials. It's contrived. It's for that was my favorite time. <laughs> hey, everybody, you greet somebody you don't know, and you know, then greet somebody you do know. But start with somebody you don't know, and so you know, thirty people come up to a guest because they're you know, it's just, no. So the by far, research the number one thing they don't like is the meet and greet, which was my favorite. <laughs> yeah, I'm an extrovert though, right? And, and uh, give me one second. I'm gonna call you. Thank you. Thank you. Um. So millennials and next geners, they want authenticity. So even me standing up here giving you a system to them is like, well, what do you need a system for? That you actually love people and welcome people? Well, we don't naturally do that, okay? But anything that reeks of institution or inauthenticity they're like, no thank you. Even a handshake to a millennial is like, I don't know you, and you're just doing that because you got your little badge on. Yeah. So we want to have greeters, people with a heart for greeting. We actually want the church to have a culture for this. Right. becomes a part of who we are. That you don't need a badge to know that you're supposed to say hi to someone. Write down 10-foot rule, or the Walmart rule. Walmart rule. You come within 10 feet of anyone, anything. You say, welcome, glad you're here today. And 10-foot ten, ten rule, just practice that. 
It's very, very key. And you'd be surprised how we don't do that. Because when I, somebody comes up to me and I don't know them, what most people do, say a stranger's coming this way, they see a stranger and they'll kind of do this, or they'll do this. Look at the phone, anything, but look them in the eye. That makes a guest feel like a monster. So everybody smile, welcome, glad you're here. Sorry, sorry. Maybe, maybe it's addressed in the things that you've already said, like um, have, a, have a brochure with expectations and things like that. But it's not so clear cut as back in the, my day, right. my younger days, right. where in our tradition, if, if somebody came and visited and they were already a member of the church, baptized, um, and they were moving into the area or whatever, they visited for a few times, and then they, as a family, they went up forward during the invitation song and placed yeah. membership, and they were officially in. Yeah. And now it seems like if somebody's there, baptized or not, I've met people that they're there for like three or four weeks, and they're like, what do you mean I'm not in the directory yet? I'm right. here. Right. So <laughs> these are things that, that you, you as a church yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I would say this now. Community before conversion. Community before conversion. You, they're looking for a family. They're looking not for a friendly church. They're looking for a friend. Place to call home. So community before conversion or belonging before belief. All right, I got a boogie because we got 10 minutes. Yes, good question. You mentioned the folders earlier. Haven't been to, uh, to uh, your church I've always wondered about the folders. What's in the folders? Uh, which folders? Are you talking about the members have a folder? Oh, that's the members file. So we have uh, announcements. We have, you know, sheets for life group. Advertising, basically, is in those folders. Okay, so it's a folder that members go and check for things that are Yeah, things that are pertinent to that. Uh, All right. Yeah. Yes, sir. One of, one of, we visit a lot of churches because our kids move around a lot. So yeah. we end up visiting churches with them. And one, yes. thing they did, one church did really, really well with the welcoming process. Yes. Um, by the time we were to the front door, we'd been welcomed at least three times. Perfect. And they did it very, did it very naturally. It wasn't like you were running through the conflict. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very naturally. You know, yeah. Like, oh, Somebody's in the parking lot. And somebody, yeah, you know, the, that's the good. Side. So I like your word naturally. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Wally came to our church and preached for us last year. He said, man, I felt like it was a gauntlet. Yeah. yeah. So that's too much. Okay. But most churches, 90% don't do anything. So what you're saying is very key. Most guests decide whether they'll return to a church or not before they ever enter the front door. Mm -hmm. It's called an 11-minute difference. They make all these subconscious decisions before they get to the front door. What's that? 11 second or 11 minutes? 11 minute. The, the, uh, I think it's the 11-minute difference before they come to the front. The 11 second thing is, is, is thir within 30 seconds of entering the front door, they make 11 unconscious decisions entering that front door. Highest point of anxiety for a guest is entering the front door. So you relieve that anxiety by having... Parking greeters, very important. Greeters outside the front door. This is all kind of my first part of my presentation. Greeters outside the front door, not inside the front door. And your bulletin passer outers are bulletin passer outers. They aren't greeters. Greeters need to be hand-free. But that's the front end of this. So we can talk more. If you want more about that, you've got my card. Let me draw something, and then I'm going to run through some things. All right. This is a church. And 
forgive my, that's, everything's from above looking down for me. Okay, so a guest comes to your church for the first time, they enter the door. They, this is highest point of anxiety. They enter, and here's what they're going to do. We have our little groups that we naturally go to, okay? After, after, after church is over, we form in our little cliques of people we like and we love, usually turning our backs to the guests unintentionally. But what a guest will do is they're going to wander through. This is like at the hilltop we've got the surfers because we're on the beach. So here's the surfer. Here's the scrapbookers. Okay, here's the, the, the youth group. Here's the senior group. Okay, here's the golfers. All, all the, you, your, your church is different, but all these little groups, they're just going to wander through these groups over a three-month period. If they don't make seven friends in three months, they're going to be out the back door as fast as they came in. So what do we have to do? We have to provide pathways for them. So if you look at the next page, I think it's page 12 for you. Let me give you some pathways real quickly, okay? And again, if you, you can email me. I've given you my card. I'd be happy to talk with you about any of this. Seven pathways for keeping guests. Number one, we've already talked about a staff reception. They want to meet the leadership. It's very important that they meet the leaders, the elders and, and, and preachers. Number two, the leaders dessert luncheon. This is different from a reception. This, this can be just getting together for coffee, getting together for dessert. And again, it's leaders. So you, got, you can put elders or staff. They want to meet both. Three, an orientation class or interview. Orientation interview. Because you want to get to know them, and you're asking them their interests, right? So this is some repeat, but these are good pathways. Life groups or small groups, extremely important. Any church that's over 100, you must, to really grow, you need to have life groups. You become a family of families instead of one big family. They're a great way for people, pathway for people to assimilate. You want to have table fellowship. In fact, we're doing a whole year talking about the power of the table in the gospel. Jesus is always eating with people. He'd heal them and say, what's to eat? I mean, it's very powerful. Table fellowship. So have a way for your guests to have meals with, with the members and get to know each other. Okay, that's where those relationships start. Number uh, six, or F, uh, a new members class. We talked about that. And then I'm just giving you ways to fellowship. Number seven, coffee and conversations. Just, just having coffee. And again, you need to be appropriate with that. I don't think you want, you know, your men taking women out to coffee and think, you know, you know, but you got a family. You want to you wanna get together common age groups and common interests. You want to connect common age groups and common interests for people to connect. Now, there's probably a whole lot of other pathways. Let me give you, we got... Three minutes, let me give you the top real quick. How people enter a church, it doesn't happen by accident. 
90% of guests that come to a church come, why? They were, invited. they were invited. It is still the number one way people enter a church. So we have to be inviting churches, which means we need to be in, have inspiring worship for our people to invite to. And what's inspiring? When, when, when people see that God is present, that's inspiring. So alive in the joy of the Lord, right? And that we can have fun when we worship God. It's okay to have fun. It's inspiring for people. So people aren't going to invite if you have boring sermons. Boring worship. Okay, so it doesn't happen by accident. Inviting. It takes a well-designed strategy. And then just some quick research about becoming an inviting church. Okay, write these percentages down. People were asked, if you were invited to come to church, how would you respond? These are non-Christians that don't go to church. Hundreds interviewed. If you were invited to come to church, how would you respond? Would you be highly receptive? Would you be open? Would you be neutral? Would you be resistant? Or would you be antagonistic if you were invited to church? See, I think Satan's got us duped here. Listen to these percentages. 11% said that they would be highly receptive to coming to church if someone just asked them. 27% said that they would be open to coming to church if they were invited. 36% were neutral. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't bug me, but yeah, I might come, I might not. Neutral. 21% were resistant. And five, only 5% were antagonistic. That if they were invited by someone to church, that no, I wouldn't want any of that. Well, that's today. So what, how many, 200, 300 million people in America, how many aren't in church? That if we just asked them, they would come. And then would we welcome them and would we follow them up? Now, of the research that's done, of those, uh, 30 seconds here, of those who said that they would come, half came, half didn't come. But when the person that invited them said that they would meet them outside and walk in with them, 75% came. That is very important. Come to church and then just show up and navigate all that on your own. It, high anxiety. Come to church. I'll meet you out front. Let's go in together. 75%. I'll be there. I'll go in with you. Thank you so much. Boy, we packed a lot in. And you have been wonderful. Let me close this in prayer. And then I'll stick around if you want to chat. God, thank you so much, Lord. I know it's a little warm in here. A little afternoon, God. But I just feel like you brought people here for a purpose, Lord. God, you have welcomed us. Help us to welcome the strangers, Lord, and help us to follow up and let them know they are loved, loved by you, loved by us, and that you offer so much, God, through your son, Jesus Christ. So may we be churches that follow up guests that are good stewards of those that you sent us, that your kingdom may come and your will will be done, and that your church will grow. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you all. Have a blessed day.